said, it's my privilege to open up the Scriptures for us. If you are a parent and you have a child up through fifth grade, they are welcome to go to our our kids' programming now called Gospel Project. You're also welcome to leave uh, them here with you, totally your decision. You do have to pick them up one way or the other, though. As Tad said, today Christians are gathered all over the globe to remember the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, we do this every week, but this Sunday, annually, Easter, we especially give ourselves to remembering the facts of the resurrection. If you brought a Bible, would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3? Colossians chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible, underneath the seat in front of you, there is a blue one. looks like this. And in those Bibles, you can turn with me to page 572. That's page 572 if you'd like to follow along with us. Every Sunday, we take around 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes, to look at a passage together, believing that this is how God continues to speak today. The essential facts of Easter are these. On a Sunday morning in roughly the year 30 A.D., just outside the city of Jerusalem, Jesus Christ, who had claimed to be King and Lord and Savior, but very disappointingly, three days earlier, had suffered a torturous death on a cross, this Jesus resurrected. This Jesus appeared to His followers to show his victory over sin and death and the devil. And some days later, and for many days later, in fact, he appeared again and again and again to his followers. And then he returned to heaven where he came from. This Jesus, we believe, continues to live, ruling and reigning over a spiritual kingdom. And this Jesus will one day again return for his people to reign over all things forever. These are the historically reliable, world-changing, hope-filled truths of Easter. Amen? If you don't know Jesus, we would encourage you this morning in the time after this gathering ends, as there's time to seek eggs outside and to eat food inside, to ask somebody sitting around you to tell you more. We would love to invite you to meet this resurrected one. Now, typically on Easter Sunday, we would open our Bibles and look at a passage that depicts one or more of these facts I've just mentioned. There's many, many, many texts we could go to in the Scriptures to understand what Jesus did. Maybe we would go to a text that describes people who found the empty tomb, who who peered inside, as it were, to see that Jesus is no longer there. Or maybe we could go to a text where the resurrected Jesus appeared to his followers, who, by the way, were shocked to see him alive again. Nobody expected this. So maybe we could see Jesus, I mean, James or or Peter, or John, or Mary, or the one who's called the doubter, Thomas. 
or even a group numbering into the hundreds. People all surprised to see Jesus again. Or, or maybe we could go to a text like 1 Corinthians 15, which describes this resurrection as the very linchpin of Christianity. A passage that says, in essence, if the resurrection didn't happen, then none of this is worth listening to at all. Or possibly we could go to a verse that shows that anyone who turns from a life apart from God, who admits their own moral bankruptcy, and who turns and places trust in Jesus, promising their allegiance to Him, all of these people will be embraced by God forever. These are the choices we have this morning. And any one of these passages would do us well. But I want to do something different this Easter. I'd like to talk with you this morning about how to live the resurrection life of Jesus. I'd like to visit with you not about the facts of what happened, but rather the facts of what are continuing to happen today. This is what we find in Colossians chapter 3. Last Tuesday morning, I got to the office for what I thought would be a normal day. But within a few minutes, the first surprise came my way. Tad, who was reading those testimonies a moment ago, Tad walked in the, fo- in the office with phone in hand, like he always does. But this time, he walked in and showed me an email. Here's what it said, and I quote, Tad, how are you? I need a favor from you. Please email me back as soon as possible. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks, Pastor Chuck. Now, the sending email address had both my name and the church's name in it. So it seemed legitimate. But here's the thing. I didn't write that email. Someone was claiming my identity, and it better not have been you. (laughs) Within an hour, I'd received several more texts and email from people who got the same email. And by late afternoon, literally dozens and dozens and dozens of phone calls and texts had come in. This is what I spent my day doing, saying, no, I didn't send that. Apparently, an identity theft wrote most of my contacts under my identity. And those who responded to this email got a second one back. And here's what it said, and I quote, Good to hear from you. How are you? I urgently need to get a Google Play gift card for a cancer patient, but I can't right now. Can you get it from a store around you? I'll make sure that you get refunded tomorrow, and I need you to reply as soon as possible. Thanks. I should have just called you, but my phone is faulty, Pastor Chuck. And here's the best part, Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus.
It's rather frustrating to have someone claim your identity. But it's far more disastrous to have an identity and not claim it. Would you follow along with me in your Bible in Colossians 3, verse 1? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Here's the reality. Jesus has been raised. But Jesus is not the only one who has been raised. Brothers and sisters, you have too. In fact, you have been resurrected to new life with Christ. Christians, the resurrection has fundamentally changed us by giving us new identities. And our prayer this morning is that as we consider just in the remaining few minutes we have together, what Colossians 3 says, that this passage will help you never fail again to claim the identity that is rightly yours. Look closely at verse 3. It says, Christian, that you have died. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean you died physically. The letter of Colossians was written to a group of Christians who lived in a town called Colossae. And these weren't people in the grave. That would have been totally useless. Dead people don't read. The death being talked about here is the death to an old way of life. The death to an old identity. Many of us in the room have been through tough romantic breakups. And if that romantic breakup ended really badly, perhaps you said something like this, he's dead to me. That expression means something like this, I'm, I'm separated from him forever. He's in the past. I'm not going back. He's as good as dead. Well, friend, when you heard the news of the gospel and you turned from a life apart from God to a life with God, you were saying to your old identity, you are dead to me. And in that moment, God gave you new life. Who you were is now gone. Who you are is totally new. This new life, mysteriously, verse 4 says, is the very life of Christ. Christ is your life. Jesus has shared his life with you. And all the wonderful realities of this resurrected Jesus in life with him are now to occupy our minds every day 
until Jesus returns. This is what it means to live as Christians. Brothers and sisters, who you were before Jesus no longer exists. It's dead to you. And who you are is now all bound up in who Jesus is. The root, the essence, the foundation, the core of who you are is now the very life of Christ. His life is your life. His identity is your identity. All that is His is now yours. But here's the catch. And it's what the rest of the chapter is in fact about. This new identity has to be claimed over and over and over and over and over again. It is not a one-time action. Every time you pick up your iPhone, you have to claim your identity. If you're one of those folks that has to keep up with all the latest and greatest, then you merely hold it in front of your face and it reads your face. And if you're a bit old-fashioned, then you have to hold your thumb this archaic way. You've got to hold your thumb for it to read your fingerprint. Either way, the phone verifies who you are so that all the benefits of the iPhone can be yours. And friend, as we go through our day of, uh, of life as Christians, we face a myriad of opportunities and circumstances in which we must reclaim our identity so that we can live out this resurrected life. It's possible to have a new identity, but to leave all the victory and rights and powers and privileges of that identity largely unclaimed. So how do we use this new identity? How do we show our ID card resurrected with Christ to the stuff of everyday life? What does the resurrection life actually look like? Well, oddly enough, it looks like wearing clothes that fit. Look with me at verse 5, and we'll see this together. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the count of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the Creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Sinkian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, 
bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as God has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgivings in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Christians, who we were, we no longer are. That is a fact. And it's a fact that's to be demonstrated as we live out this new identity day after day. Who we were before Jesus no longer typifies who we are with Jesus. We died to lives bound by evil. We've been raised to life into all that is good. Did you notice how different these lives are? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, covetousness versus thankfulness, peace, love, forgiveness, patience, meekness, humility, kindness, even singing. Our old identities were overrun with actions and attitudes that caused heartache and were an affront to God. But our new identities leads to attitudes, actions, even transformed character that show the reality of a resurrected Jesus living through us. And this new identity in Jesus places us into a new family called the church where humility and love, respect, equality are the norm. As Tad so helpfully prayed, All the barriers to mutuality outside the church, white, black, young, old, sick, healthy, male, female, educated, uneducated, rich, poor, these are all transcended inside the church. We are a new people together. And as new people, we keep turning from what is evil while simultaneously cultivating what is good. I love the way Colossians makes this complicated issue so simple. Verse 8 says, put them away. Verse 9, put off. Verse 10, put on. Verse 12, put on. Verse 14, put on. The simple metaphor of putting on and taking off clothes helps us grasp the reality of new life in Christ. It's safe to assume none of us got up this this morning and put on today's new clothes on top of yesterday's old clothes. It's getting hot. Yesterday's clothes are gross. 
you be stanky. Fresh new clothes don't bode well on top of yesterday's old dirty clothes. Every day, we take off. And every new day, we put on. It's just what we do. Similarly, every day, brothers and sisters, to live in the resurrection life, we must claim the identity given to us. We must take off old attitudes and actions and put on new. It's just what we do. Now, we don't take off the old way of life and put on the new by becoming consumed with managing behavior so that we appear good. That's not how this works. Living the life of Jesus is not about outward conformity. We don't look like Jesus by trying really hard to appear nice and put together. We don't, quote, put on our Sunday best. Instead, we give our lives first and foremost to a thoughtful life of concentrating on God. That's how we take off and put on. That's what verse 2 says. Set your minds on the things above, not on things on the earth. Church claiming our identity in Christ happens as we turn our thoughts toward who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing now, what Jesus will one day do as He returns. If we want to stop living like our old self and continue to grow consistently in the new self, then we must give ourselves to the life of the mind. We must thoughtfully, intentionally, consciously, consistently turn our thoughts toward God. Thoughts produce behavior. We must think deeply on Christ and the miracle of being intertwined in Him such that our life is His life. We must live with a new mindset. Being thoughtfully consumed with who Jesus is and what he has done is to become the great passion of life. God, you see, uses this resurrected mindset to help us tap in to resurrection power. That is how you take off and put on. This is the new grid we have through which to live life. A church notice especially in this passage how putting on new clothes with Jesus and taking off old clothes without Jesus does an essential fundamental thing to our existence. 
It moves us from being selfish to being selfless. It moves us from having a mindset in which we are most thoroughly consumed with us, with me, to being most thoroughly consumed with Him and therefore us. New life is radically communal. You notice in verse 12 it uses the word beloved. It's an old word, but it means people being people loved by God. The beloved in verse 12 is what brings about verse 14. Being people who really love each other. As people who experience a love from God, we do not deserve. We are then increasingly transformed into people of love. A love that is immensely practical. A love where we help each other. A love where we forgive. A love where we sacrifice. A love where we move toward people who are different from us rather than shying away. Brothers and sisters, are you claiming daily your new identity in Christ? Yes, this is Easter, and we remember that Jesus rose again. But every single day there is a new resurrection power available to you. And just like your phone has to scan your face over and over and over, you need to hold up your new identity in Christ in order to live in His power. This week, may you recognize and claim your identity in Christ over and over and over. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, thank you so much for joining us today. The offer... The Bible holds out to you is that you too are invited to a whole new way of life, a life not apart from God, but a life with God. Are you ready this morning to say to your old life, you are dead to me, and to ask God through Christ to give you a whole new life? If so, then he'll do it. It is, this is the great gospel promise. Turn from sin. Turn to Jesus. And you too will be given a whole new identity. We'd love to tell you more. You're about to hear the story of yet another person who's experienced this change. And afterwards, we'd love to answer your questions about this Christ. Will you pray with me?